deals. And Bonds hit for high. Hits it deep. It is out of here. 3-2 to Mookie Wilson. Little roller up along first. Behind the bag. It gets through Buckner. Here comes Knight and the Mets win it. Halliday is one strike away. The 0-2. A bouncer. Ruiz. In time. Roy Halliday. Steal a little summoning from you, Dave. Three balls, two strikes, the pitch. Swing it a long drive. Deep left field. Going, going. Dean one on the line. That would be a line for a base hit. Here comes Joy. Here is Junior to third base. They're going to wave him in. The throw to the plate will be late. The Here's the pitch on the way. A swing and a belt. Left field. Way back. Blue Jays win it. The Blue Jays are going. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, a baseball podcast. It is your host, Ryan, joined by Chris, a.k.a. Schwebzy. Hi, friends. Getting ready to run down another week of everything that happened in the show, both the game and the actual show. Um, Lots of fun stuff tonight. Like, actual fun stuff, in my opinion. Talking about prospects and, and first years and that kind of thing. But, as we start most weeks... uh with a topic like this, which is baseball curmudgeonry by the old-timers. A lot of them, including Goose Gossage, recently called the state of modern baseball unwatchable. They changed the games. I can't watch them anymore. It's not baseball. A lot of the strategy and the beauty of the game that I played is all gone, according to Gossage. Do you agree or disagree and why? What exactly was beautiful about, I don't know, Phil Rizzuto slapping balls with like an 85-mile-an-hour exit velocity? That's not beautiful to me. What's beautiful to me is massive dingers, dongs, going yard, yaks. The the polar bear hitting them 500 The polar bear. The polar bear mauling baseballs. That's what I want to see. I love a good double play as much as the next guy. And there's no shortage of that. People are more athletic now than they've ever been. We see more amazing plays than we ever have. That's not gone. If it was a hitter, I would understand it a little bit more because there has been this shift from you never want to strike out in any at-bat to in certain situations striking out is better than putting the ball in play. And so I feel like from that angle... I get it a little bit, but this isn't. It's a pitcher, and it was a guy who, honestly, his arm would fit in the modern era, which is why I'm surprised he said it. The thing that gets me about the the particular article that we were looking at with, uh, the, the, the focus of the article was Gossage, Pinella, and uh, there, there was one more guy. I forget, I forget who the third focus of the article was, but it was just the, these players, you know, notable, Joe Madden, cool. Uh, Joe Madden, I know Pete Rose was in there. I'm surprised Joe Madden was complaining. He seems more like a, a modern kind of baseball guy. 
Yeah, Madden's I, quote was the one I found most offensive, actually. Yeah, so we'll, we'll get to that next. Yeah. I want to hear what he said. Um, so we've got Pete Rose, Lou Pinella, Goose Gossage. Notably very chill guys that you'd want to hang out with. Am I right? Right, no. yeah. No. These maybe, are guys whose opinions I hear. see them get in a drunken brawl at a bar and have fun watching it, maybe. Yeah, it's like old man yells at cloud. Like, yeah, what, exactly. what are... What are we supposed to think other than that? Yeah, so Madden's quote was, just go to Twitter and search baseball hitting or hitting guru and find all these different people making money these days off this game. They're making it too complicated, and it's really sad. I grew up as a hitting coach, and I taught hitting a certain way, and I think it's germane to the way that you should hit today. I've seen some videos they're selling online that parents are paying for, and it's like, wow, they're just promoting three true outcomes that's all they're doing so that's like i feel like that's a different complaint that's not the state of the game that's people trying to uh, profit off of the state of the game that doesn't mean that the game is wrong the game is getting smarter and yes. i just I, I can't see a fault in the game getting smarter no absolutely I, I do have a problem with the fact that it is now, in a lot of situations, hit a home run or strikeout, and that's how they're teaching a lot of people to play the game. Um, at the in... same time, like look at look at look at our two favorite teams. Look yeah. at look at Jeff McNeil. Look at Victor Robles. Look at Trey Turner. Like look at Juan Soto, and for a power hitter, how well he hits singles when he chokes up on the bat with two strikes. Yeah, like it's not dead. It's there. Yeah, it's still there. Yeah. Uh, it's it's just crazy to me. Um, I do so I, I agree with the second half of his point, which is it's all strikeouts today and home runs. That that's accurate, but I think the reason hitting is more complicated is is there's more than one way to hit the ball, and we've discovered that. There's yeah, you have... I think the uh, the the thing that these guys are complaining about. It's if you look at basketball, you get kind of the same thing with. Everyone complains about three pointers now, right? Like, yeah. uh, no, no one, no one likes James Harden. James Harden's like the most efficient scorer in the history of the world, and no one likes it because of how he does it. Same thing in baseball. Like, we've figured out that you know it doesn't matter if you strike out 250 times as long as you're hitting 40 dongs. Like, right. no, no one likes when like the the smart guys behind the scenes are like are, are trying to like game the game. And that and that is a way to teach it. And uh, I'll I'll use I'll use three players. From, from our teams as, as examples, like you have Jeff McNeil and the Adam Eaton types who have that longer swing but keep their bat flat through the zone, and so they're able to make contact but also have power. And then you have the guys like Matt Adams and Pete Alonzo who are all arm strength, who just power the bat through the zone. And then you have guys like Trey Turner. Um, David Wright kind of was this hitter where it was all in their wrist. There are that many different ways to hit because of how much we understand about human dynamics and um, kinesthetics nowadays that I, I think hitting is getting more complicated because, you know, it's based off your – it's not necessarily based off, like, your bat speed or anything anymore. It's based off of your best body part. Like, are your wrists fine? Can you wrist them? Do you just want to get your whole bat through this? It, it's just getting more complicated because we're discovering more. And the the crazy thing about complaining so much, like uh, railing against a launch angle, that's just the most reductive thing. It's not all about the launch angle. It's like the most optimal hit 
you know, is a ball with a certain launch angle, but that doesn't mean that like behind the scenes that the coaches are telling them, ah, you know, just hit the ball up, just, just hit fly balls. The, yeah. the, the launch angle results from much more complicated stuff. Like the, the training nowadays is just, it's insane compared to how it used to be with the, the high frame rate, high def cameras. They, there's code there. How many hitting coaches does each team have now? How many guys have been hired from drive Two and a it's front just, office guy for most organizations. Yeah. It's, it's gotten insane. Like, and you see it the most in the, you know, what are widely regarded as the strong, the, the smartest teams. Yeah. So, you know, there are, there are quote, teams, right. there are teams. And I think the Nats are one of them where they have like a hitting coordinator for their minor leagues who will go around with these high, this high tech equipment and record BP and show them in slow motion using like oh 3d overlays, what they're doing wrong and how they can be more efficient and stuff. It's absolutely mind blowing. And to say we shouldn't use any of this because of that, because it's ruining the game or whatever, I think just ruins what baseball is becoming, which is a statistic lover's dream slash nightmare. I know I've heard you say a few times that uh, Ted Williams was one of the first proponents of launch angle, even if he didn't use that language. He didn't, but yeah, he he always talked about getting getting on... It wasn't about getting the sweet spot on the ball. It was about getting the top half of the sweet spot on the bottom half of the sweet spot of the baseball to get launch angle. He didn't call it launch angle. I, I don't even know what he called it. I think he just literally said to get power. But he was doing that how long ago? And now that's exactly what they're teaching? We love complaining about launch angle. We love complaining about shifts, but this is stuff that's been around forever. There's always been an optimal way to do things. There just haven't been the training methods to make it happen. There hasn't been the analysis to make it happen in a better way. Um, and and to talk about even like the training and stuff, like I've always heard this story growing up from the Phillies fan side of the family, kind of that Steve Carlton before he used to pitch, like the day of or, like, his workout, he would take, like, a bucket of rice or, like, dried peas or whatever and just literally stick his pitching hand in there and do his different grips on a baseball and do his wrist movements underneath it because he realized he was getting more resistance that way to make his wrist stronger, and that's how he stayed in shape with it and stuff. And now that's common practice. Mm -hmm. And this was 40 years ago. And so I think there will always be people on the cutting edge who might be laughed at now. But I think, like, technology always pushes in baseball, and that's that's what we need. So, yes. But, uh, but, but hey, uh, there, people are always going to bring up Nolan Ryan and complain that people only pitch six innings. So there's there's nothing you could do except, you know, yeah. laugh at them laugh at them on their way to the retirement home. So, yes, I do think it is a bunch of old guys screaming at clouds. <laughs> absolutely is. It absolutely is. Um, moving on, we want to talk about this, too. Speaking of moving on to, to cooler things. Um, MLB Random Stats is an awesome Twitter account if you guys haven't checked them out. And they tweeted out something quite shocking the other day, which was highest career on base plus slugging in MLB history with a minimum of 50 batting plate appearances. And there are five rookies on it now. We're, we're going to ignore, ignore small sample sizes for the sake of this fun fact. Yeah, we're going to ignore small sample sizes for the sake of this. But it is like Aquino, Will Smith, Alvarez, Bichette, and didn't Guerrero Jr. get back on there with his so last it's week? Not, it's not Guerrero, but if you look at the top six, top six OPS of all time 
minimum 50 plate appearances. <laughs> we'll just that's that's the fine print. Minimum 50 plate appearances. So uh, you've got Will Smith, Aquino at one and two. It was Aquino when this was uh, tweeted out, but it's up. Uh, we we've got an updated list because yeah, we're we're on the cutting edge here. Uh, then Babe Ruth, because no leader list is complete without Babe Ruth. Yes. And under him, Alvarez, Ted Williams, and Bo Bichette. Uh, <laughs> you know the the some of the first names you think of when you think of the greatest hitters of all time. Exactly. And if you extend the list even further, I, I took it down to the top thirty OPSs of all time. You've got Peter Alonso at eighteen. You've got Fernando Tatis Jr. a shortstop at twenty one. Oh my and, goodness! <laughs> and then you've got Keston Hira, who looks like some kid in my math class at number twenty nine. Uh, so <laughs> it's, it's just wild now. And this is actually going to lead to a point later on. It's wild how all of these hitters are just coming into the league and just mashing immediately. Yeah, it is really, really weird. And we were talking about it and we were talking about topics for this week. And I saw that tweet and I was like, I, we have to talk about this. This is too good not to. And it leads to a question of is it the players getting better trained in the minor leagues, or is this the juiced ball doing this this year? Well, no one thinks that Will Smith and Aquino are going to retire with, you know, OPS is 50 Over points. Over 1,200, yeah. Yeah, 1,200. No, no one thinks that's going to happen. You know, we're, we're, not, we're not trying to say that, uh, that this is a, a real thing. It's a small sample size that's kind of indicating a larger phenomenon going on. And that phenomenon is more dingers everywhere. The entire league is hitting more dingers. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, we're, we're seeing raised everything, really. Um, I think, I think it is, it is interesting to talk about how much of it is organizations doing more to help their base players versus juiced ball effect really to me. Well, we know in the past, like in the past, like three years in, in 2017, we heard about the juiced ball, right? And it, it was really apparent in 2017, six teams had their franchise best for home runs. Yeah, and then 2018, you you kind of saw that bounce back. Uh, you know, it, it we reeled it back a little. M- most teams hit fewer home runs in 2018 than 2017. Yeah. This year, 2019, the year of our Lord, 16 teams are going are well are on pace to hit the most home runs that franchise has ever hit. Four teams are going to hit more home runs than any team ever has. The, the current record is the 2018 Yankees. Uh, before last year, it was the, two, it was the 1997 Mariners uh, fun team. Uh, Edgar Martinez, Ken Griffey Jr., Jay Buhner, those guys. So Wasn't we've got Boone four teams. Team too? Oh? Wasn't Brett Boone on that team too? No, Brett Boone came uh, around a little later on. Oh, I thought that was... I thought he was there that 97 year when they hit all of them. But, yeah, no, it's, um, it's got to be the juiced ball. It's got to be. It's got to be. Although I feel like players are getting treated better in the minors specifically because of how much, quite frankly, hell has been raised about their pay in the minor leagues and and how how shitty they are treated. Like, I have, mm-hmm. 
I have railed on baseball for having the lowest prospect turnout rate of any of the major sports leagues because the only food these kids can afford is like beef jerky and McDonald's on the salaries you're paying them. If you were paying them a, a living wage in the minor leagues and they could, you know, actually afford things like protein shakes and stuff, how much better would these kids be? Apparently, we, they we don't all. need it because they just need to get to the juiced ball stage of their career. We all know prospects love a good PB and J or a rotisserie chicken split amongst twenty-five people. Yes, exactly. But uh, an interesting thing about you know baseball in two thousand nineteen, if you basically look at the home run leaderboard you're going to see like the contenders at the top the teams that are trash at the bottom yeah uh if you look at what's uh, the the bottom like eight teams in home runs the only one that's even like semi-contending is the giants like just if you don't hit home runs you're just not going to be a successful team but but that's also part of their ballpark too with the giants to be fair but if you look at the last like few years like the, let's say the last 10 20 years the only years that they've hit a lot of home runs you, you know the only reason that they're on any sort of leaderboards is barry bonds yeah exactly so they, they've just never been a particularly dinger happy team it's partially the park it's partially team uh team strategy although we, no one ever looks at the giants as a forward-thinking organization no they're they're always they're always like one step back although they did they have made some interesting scouting in front office hires recently yeah, with the new GM yeah, to try and to try and move forward with a more sabermetric forward uh, team with um oh god what's this Bochi retiring mm-hmm. at the end of the season like, if if I'm a bad team if I'm a fan of a bad team the only thing I'm looking at right now is who my team is hiring in the front office yeah. what kind of coaches my my team is hiring like where they're hiring these coaches from and. And this is where I'm. I'm going to fold it back into the previous point too, which is this is where I might get Gossage's point, because there are organizations that are having sabermeticians in their front office that are literally telling the manager how to manage the games. Like you have to bring this guy in in this situation and this in in that situation, and it's interesting. It's interesting if you think about that because we know that the Nats were doing it last year. And the coaches basically said, uh-uh, this year. In in my opinion, if your coach needs to be told, then you don't have a good 2019 modern baseball coach. Looking at you, Mickey Calloway and oh Gabe Kapler. Please don't get me started. <laughs> and Gabe Kapler, Mr. Coconut Oil himself. <laughs> I actually like Gabe Kapler, and it... It's not just because the team seems to hate him and they're kind of crumbling. Like I, I, I like that he's ballsy. I like that he was willing to stick to the book. Yeah. Uh, the book, the book being the book of statistics in this case. Uh, when he first started, he was just like, "Yeah, I don't care what you guys say. That's what the numbers said to do." Like, I, the... I, I agree with that. I like Gabe Kapler, the manager. I don't do not like Gabe Kapler, the person, one bit because of what happened in the Dodgers farm system. It's fair. Yeah. So we're gonna roll. We're gonna roll point take two, uh, or point two tonight in into point three, which is we've had so many hot starts this year, and we talked about a lot of them: Will Smith, Jordan Alvarez, Bo Bichette, I mean Calvin Biggio, Vlad Guerrero, Pete Alonso, really, 
What? I, I do. I want to say one more thing about the home runs oh. because oh. I, I, I did so much research on this that I have a couple of points that I thought were just super interesting. Oh, oh Lord. Go. Oh. So if you had to pick two teams as like the like leading teams in, right now in, in analytics, in like front office hires, just organizations top to bottom, who would you pick? The Twins. Really? Yes. All right. Well, they've hit the most home runs. Yes. They have they have already hit more home runs than they ever have in a full year. By a lot, too, I think. By a lot. It's like 38 already or 40? There are six weeks uh, left in the season, and they've already topped their most ever. But where I was going with that, I was hoping you'd say the Dodgers and the Astros. Because right now, 2019, so the Dodgers have been around for you know, if you count all their Brooklyn years, all their previous iterations, they've been around for over 130 years, I believe. And the three best seasons they've ever had with home runs, 2017, 2018, 2019. That's nuts. The Astros of their seven best home run teams ever, five of them are from the last seven years. Uh, sorry, of, of their seven best, five of them are the last five years. Oh my goodness. The, yeah, a couple a couple of the killer B years snuck oh, in there. Wow. But you can see best teams, most dingers. It's just the way the game is right now. Yeah, it's kinda it's kind of crazy. And and part of that is there are guys coming up hitting ridiculous amounts of home runs. Like the guys I named going into point three with this tonight with Guerrero Jr., Bichette, Biggio, Will Smith. Verdugo to a point, um, Jordan Alvarez, and, and last year Juan Soto and Asuna Jr. And so those are all the guys that we talk about that came up the last couple years. They made a really, really big impact. But the thing I wanted to talk about is do we overlook prospects who underwhelm in their first year because of how many do so well coming up now? And it's the guys like Kingery. And those those level of players that we don't really we talk about in year two when they kind of do have slight bounce back years. So it's it's a really interesting time to kind of follow player development. Yes. Because you've got your pop up prospects constantly nowadays. Like look at look at like uh Garrett Cooper or you know, just the, the random guys that pop up when they're twenty seven and start hitting massive bombs. Uh but you've also got these awesome like uber prospects who come up and kind of flail yeah and then you've got the ones that absolutely annihilate everything yeah and it kind of, it leads to uh it leads to higher expectations for rookies as a whole right so when they don't succeed vlad Guerrero <laughs> jr uh it kind of it makes them look even worse than it would if they uh you know if they didn't have these guys overshadowing them. We don't have these players coming up anymore that take two or three years to really develop like it used to be the rule of thumb like oh they might have a pretty good rookie season but they're going to struggle for the next couple of years. And now it's like a month into the season and they're batting 200 in their sophomore year and it's like what's wrong with blank and it's it's a bit ridiculous. Vlad Guerrero Jr is a bust and you cannot tell me otherwise. Right. <laughs> he's no he's not batting shot. 330 in the majors. What's wrong with him? What's but, wrong yeah, with Vlad? And for you, like fantasy players out there, or you know, if, if you if, you know, maybe, maybe throw some money around on baseball, uh, it's like this is it's like an area of opportunity, right? Because you look at guys like 
Vlad Guerrero Jr. And, you know, the projections might say that he does poorly next year and the, the projections might reflect poorly on the Blue Jays. But, you know, once you get, you know, Bellinger in the third round. And everyone loves that. Exactly. Right. Yeah. You know, you, you look at guys this year flailing like uh, like Austin Riley, who hit a bunch of home runs, but really, you know, overall, the batting line's kind of bad. Yeah, he's banned uh, 400. Kinda... He was, what, banned 400, like, his first five games, and then, like, four games later, it was 200. And you're like, he's the, still the hitting guy, home runs, but... He's got 17 home runs in 255 plate appearances and is still a negative offensively. I mean, look at um, a really good example from last year that played the entire year was Scott Kingery for the um, Phillies, who I think is having a, a better sophomore campaign, yet nobody's talking about it because it's not like out-of-the-water numbers for him being a top prospect. Um, this year, for me, it was a, another Nationals player with Carter Keebum coming up and batting 126. You know? Yeah, and I, I mean, look at the look at the Tampa Bay Rays. It feels like every single year they debut someone, and, you know, they, you know they're hit or miss, and, and then the next year they'll come up and explode. Explode, yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. It, and I think we do overlook those guys that have a better sophomore season than a rookie season because everybody likes the rookie of the year race and then but after your rookie season it's like unless you're an mvp contention you're nothing well but i mean you you said this name earlier bellinger who was really talking about bellinger coming into this year nobody Right. You know, after his first year, it's like, oh, my God, 39 home runs as a rookie. And then 2018, he kind of, you know, still a good year, but he scuffled. And now this year he's possible, probable MVP. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely an MVP. Absolutely an MVP candidate. But, yeah, nobody was talking about him. Everybody, um, he was projected to only have, like, 27 home runs on Yahoo and, like, 88 RBIs or whatever. Oh, I, I hope yeah. Uh, I hope Yahoo's not a friend of the podcast because of what I'm about to say. Yahoo's projections are garbage, and I am not. Uh, ugh. I always use I always use outside projections for them. So, but I mean, they 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 were also very wrong on like Soto and Robles and Asunia this year. It was really funny. They had Victor Robles at like seven home runs this year. So, all right, on this topic, looking at this year's struggling rookies. Let's take Vlad Guerrero out because that's an easy answer. Yeah. yeah who do you okay. think? Who do you think is the one that's going to bounce back and make everyone look like idiots that's for such, say drafting him too low next year? That's such a hard question. I think most of them, to be honest, uh, there's a lot of different players players in there that you know could do it. Um, I think one that nobody's that's going to be in the same situation as who's actually doing really well this year, but is going to be the same situation as Cody Bellinger which is odd to say that nobody's going to be talking about him next year in fantasy, is Pete Alonzo. He's going to be in the exact same situation as Cody Bellinger, even though that's kind of not the point of this. I feel like so this is, that's, this that's is a, a prediction thing. for This is a prediction for the 2021 season after he's scuffled in the 2020 season? No, for next year, nobody's going to be talking about him. Everybody's going to be talking about, oh, this or that, and, you know, and he's going to have a, a killer season, to be fair, I think. It, it's weird. Um... I don't even know. I don't even know. It's crazy. So, I think I think my guys uh, going into next year, Kevin Biggio. I don't even know. Kevin, Kevin. Yeah, it's Kevin. It's Kevin Biggio. That's just a terrible it's way of spelling. Kevin. I think it's Kevin Biggio. I, you know, for half a second, I thought it was just some 
bullshit millennial way of spelling Kevin. But uh, yeah, so uh, I think Kevin Biggio and uh, Eloy Jimenez. Yeah, Eloy Jimenez is on my list too. Um, so coming into this year, Jimenez, like the the I, I I feel like I heard this line a dozen times. It's like if Vlad Guerrero doesn't exist, everyone would be talking about Eloy and how he's the best hitting prospect ever. And he's got 22 dingers in uh, 364 at bats, but between injuries and uh, he's got a pretty poor BABIP. But I I, I think next year we, we could see a 35 40 home run season, kind of like uh, Jorge Soler kind of season out of him next year. I'll go I'll go with the pitcher too, um, Sandy Alcantara from Miami, having a 1.3 WAR season, four wins, 11 losses, 4.35 ERA. Think could be I think could be underrated going into next season, especially especially in fantasy. I would be surprised absolutely not at all if suddenly in the next like one to two years, Florida sorry, Miami had like a top five rotation. Yeah, they have a lot of they have a lot of good guys. I'm trying to I'm looking through the names of basically everybody who's come up. Um Dylan Cease for the Chicago White Sox is another guy who's having a, a pretty, yeah. having a pretty solid season right now, but could be better, better next year. But nobody's going to be talking about him. We could have a we could have a nice post uh, post Tommy John hype season from uh, oh god Kopech yeah Kopech is another one up there. there. No, I knew who you were talking about immediately. The uh, the White Sox, you know, if if their prospects pan out, they could be real interesting real quick. Moncada, yes. Jimenez, Cease, Kopik. Yeah, if all their prospects suddenly suddenly turn out, it could be it could be super interesting. I'm trying to see if there's anybody I missed on the entire list here. But yeah, I I just I can't get over like the arms that the Marlins have. Like if they develop their guys right between uh, Yamamoto, Alcantara, uh, who's the, who's the one that beans Acuna every time he gets to the plate. Oh, I for that's Alcantara. Sinker baller. No, it's no, it's the other one. I can't. Oh remember his man, name. yeah, I can't remember his name. Oh, yeah, but, you're right. Uh, they had they had Gallon, who I love. That was a ballsy trade on their part to trade Gallon for uh, Chisholm. Yeah, but I think at some point you got to take risks with some guys like that, though, too. Yeah, I mean, hey, I I love a good prospect. Uh, you know, who will blink first trade? Like that's that that is a straight up challenge trade because Gallon is good in the majors now. Yeah, another another guy uh, to look out for next year, Patrick Wisdom. Yeah, I haven't heard much about him. Um, he's having a negative .3 WAR season right now. He's batting two twenty four for his career, one fifty four this year. Um, he's only gotten twenty six at bats. Um, I forgot what trade they got him in, but he was originally a Cardinals prospect. Um, still technically a rookie. Um, it's it could be interesting to see him, you know, because he got a taste for 32 games last year in, in St. Louis and batted 260, batting 154 this year in limited at-bats in Texas. If they can find a spot for him next year, it, should, it could be interesting. We'll see if he can make it without the Cardinals' devil magic supporting him. Yes, that's always that's always the key to it. Anybody else on your list of who, who underwhelms that we should be looking out for? I, I'd bring up some Mets prospects, but we don't have any. Hey... Guy, guy who could be, guy who could make surprise roster next year, Jared Kalinick. There we go. Gonna get one in uh, every episode. Uh, my heart. Every episode. Every episode. Um, Never stings less. Uh, oh, good, 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 good. Um, moving on to the next thing with with Griffey out now, and Jackie Robinson out, and Mike Piazza out. Who 
would you like to see next as a signature series in MLB the show? So, I, I, you know, I, I read this question two different ways. Like, who would you like to see that's going to happen or might happen? Or who would you like to see that's definitely, absolutely not going to happen? Because that latter list is way longer. Por que no los dos? <laughs> well, so, obviously, I would love to see David Wright in the game. Yes. Favorite, favorite player of all time. I would love to get Ari Dickey in the game, even though there's no shot of him ever getting a SIG series. Would love to see like a Hardware Heroes Ari Dickey. That'd be cool. But um, we so Carlos Beltran. I don't know with Adrian Beltre. With with Cologne getting a 91 overall signature series, I could see them pushing a Hardware card of Dickey from that Cy Young season into a signature series card imagine, at like 91. At like 90 or 91. That would be the most infuriating card ever. Knuckleballer all the way. A knuckleball with a small PCI. Yeah, Gotta I agree. Adrian Bel- Beltre. Yeah. He had a card last year that was killer. That yeah. was like a 95. That yeah. was a really good card. Carlos but Beltron. Beltr- who, who wouldn't want Beltron? Speedy switch hitting outfielder? Yes, exactly. I was The other day I was looking at making an all switch hitting team in the show. Yeah. There's, there's so few really good switch hitting outfielders. I would love a good Beltron. Yeah, there are, there are. I like, I like making switch hitting teams too. So I feel your pain. Um, my list of what I would want to see is a as a boss reward and not something in like World Series, or, um, a BR run. I would, I, and I know it's coming. Is Chipper Jones? Yes. Have him as a boss instead of get get him in left field for my switch hitting team. Yeah. So so there's that. Um, in terms of like legends that I would want to see in the game, um, Roberto Clemente. Would love that, yeah. As a SIG Series card. Um, Doc Gooden. Oh, my God. Yeah. Give me that. Give me that fastball curveball combo. Would be killer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I was trying to think of, like, relievers and things, too, to put in the Signature Series. And I can't really think of... I couldn't really think of any that could really be pushed up to that level. But... So, we've got a a Seaver in the game, so there's a real good chance we're getting a SIG Series Seaver. That is true. That is true. I want my Sig Series Scherzer. Thank you very much. Who? Scherzer. Brown, oh, brown eye? Yeah, oh, brown eye. Oh, blue eye. Depends on the year. That's my favorite running gag from Players <laughs> Weekend, though. So, interesting thing about modern Sig Series players, like, you know, active Sig Series players. Yeah. If you sort active players by war you'll see they have done a they've done a good job like they've covered this list like all all of the all, all of the active players with the most productive careers are pretty well represented yeah the most egregious one that's missing right now is miggy and he got a pretty nice 94 but i can see a 99 in the future yeah i think i think the two biggest modern players that quite frankly have been robbed is miggy's number one on my list for sure I forgot Pujols. Obviously, Pujols, we're getting a Pujols. Pujols, Pujols is number Pujols is number two, um, and we know he's coming because he got data mined. Okay. Third, I want Scherzer. I want a Sig Series Scherzer, and I don't want some ninety six or ninety seven. He better be a ninety nine because if you can push Kimbrel and Jansen to ninety nines, you can easily push Scherzer. I can see it. Um. And that's kind of like my wish list. Like those, 
like obviously like Chipper's coming, Poolhouse is coming, um, Scherzer should be coming, and those are like my big three on my list. But like I'd love a Roberto Clemente. That's always been up there for me in the game. I I want to see a Napolahoy, and I want to know why that's not happening. I really I really feel like Napolahoy's family is not out there going like, you know, we're we're holding out for a mill. You know, I, I I feel like his rights can't be that hard to get. Let's get Naplahoy in the game. You know whose rights are probably hard to get, but they should do it anyway. Sandy oh. Koufax. I would love that. Yeah, it's it's always it's... weird when you talk about these rights, though, because we don't know the situations that are going on. So, a player like Bonds, I understand why he's not in the game, because you know. He's alive. He stands to make money off this, and like he can, you know, he. I, I get him wanting to negotiate for more. Someone like Koufax or Lahoy, like any money that they're getting from that name, like that family's getting from that name, there's got to be a bonus, right? You know, I, I don't, and it's not like there's a bidding war. Like, why not just and, and you know get get your get your family member who's passed away, who was this great great athlete. You know, get them some more notoriety. Get them, get them back in the public spotlight. Yeah, exactly. Never that. Um, I can't think of the name of it right now, but the uh, agency that represents the estate of Babe Ruth, um, Walter Johnson, um, Ty Cobb, and um, it's not Honus Wagner, but he's in the game too. Rogers Hornsby. They're mm-hmm. all at the same estate agency which focuses on estates' rights for things okay. like movies and cards and stuff, also have the rights to people like Cool Papa Bell and Satchel Page from the Negro Leagues. I would love some Negro League players in the game. And that I would have be fantastic. always oh my God. would love I it. I never think of that? I had talked one of the first times I ever was in Sporter's Channel. Shout Buck out to O'Neal. Paul. Shout out to Paul. I asked... I had brought up the fact that Babe Ruth was in the game last year and Ty Cobb and shouldn't be far behind because they're at the same agency, and Walter Johnson, both of whom I think were new this year. And I brought up the fact that there were two other Negro League players that were represented by the same thing, and I'm like, what if they just get all six and put these guys in? And I think the problem is, and Paul was right on this, is they would love to do that, but how do you adjust and equate the stats? Because like just, just Adam, in Adam Jones has a ninety five. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of my point. Sorry. Kind of Sorry. Was, kind of where I was getting to. I am I am very passionate about that Adam Jones card. But even like Cool Papa Bell was hitting like what, fifty six home runs back when like in the Negro Leagues, like back when like Ruth was hitting like twenty seven or whatever. I don't actually know the numbers, I just made those up in my head. But <laughs> I don't think it would be too hard to just reduce the stats by 10 or 12% and be like, okay, that's our baseline to get them in the game. And I feel like they should be in the game because it is an important part of baseball history. Just for, from looking at what's in the game, I really, I, I just can't believe anymore that they are putting the stats into a spreadsheet and popping out the card. I can't believe that. I They've got to be taking some liberties. And they are. They absolutely so, have said so, they are with six years. Take, so take some liberties with the, the, the Negro League guys. Why not? Yeah. You know, give, me a, give me a baller Josh Gibson. Josh Gibson should be the best player in the game. Catcher in the game, at least. Yeah. Um. Yeah, all those guys. All those guys should be in the game, too. And that's probably this, 
the biggest, most egregious gap of players in the game. The other one that I see get talked about all the time uh, in terms of a gap of players is the mid to late 80s guys. Is there's a yeah. gap there too? I think they're, I, I feel like they're doing a little bit better with that now. Like, I, I mean, Keith Hernandez in the game. Love that. Yeah. But cool. I, the, the one, the, the era, I, I don't even know if you can call it an era. The thing that bothers me the most is the, and you, you can tell this from my, my wish list earlier. It's the recent retirees. Like, yeah. why can we, like, why can they not figure out how to have Wright, Beltry, Beltron, those kind of guys in the game? Yeah, um, they have, they are doing better, by the way. I just picked a random year. I picked 1986 for the All-Star game just to see some guys that I would like to see in the game. Um, and, and these could all be Sig Series, Sig Series or not, to be honest. Um, where's Kirby Puckett? Couldn't find the stadium. Probably. Um, Dave Winfield. Uh, yeah, I would. I mean, I would love to have him in the game. Oh, we do. We do have Mattingly. We do have Mattingly. We do have. I guess Boggs is has a Sig series, right? Mm-hmm. I can't remember yep. if he does or not. I mean, we got Ripken Jr. We got Ryan Sandberg. We got Mike Schmidt eventually. Ozzy Smith's already in the game. Tony Gwynn's already in the game. Mm-hmm. Where's Dale Murphy? Signature series instead of the ninety. Oh. Good card though. Great card. Loved that it. card carried me for about three months in uh, in eighteen. Yeah, I loved that card in eighteen because that was Conquest Extreme. Mm-hmm. Uh, w- the one that everybody always talks about in terms of power hitters from that era. Where's Daryl Strawberry? Oh uh, yeah, give me give me a six series Daryl Strawberry. And you can't tell me those guys wouldn't sign for cheap because of their current legal situations. Yeah. Unfortunately. And I'm not saying take advantage of them while they're down, but offer them the same deal you're offering other people because I'm pretty sure they'd take it right now. Use it to pay your legal bills or buy drugs. Your your call, your money. Yeah. Please um, don't buy more drugs, Daryl Strawberry. Here's 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 another here's another one out of out of out of left field, but Sid Fernandez. Yeah. Oh. And not for nothing, but having players like Sid who mean so much to a group of people is can only help, you know, help get the game out to more people. Um uh Tim Raines. Well I would love a Tim Raines. It would it would be like uh you'd I'm have another a, Ricky. I'm having a field day with these benches, by the way, on cards. Um Steve Sachs. Lost me with that one. Don't don't care for a Steve Sachs card. Oh man, <laughs> you don't want like a you don't want a pinch running light hit smack hitting second baseman to like pinch it like early if you need like to lead off an inning. Come on. Who's the uh who who's the guy that does the barbecue in in Philly? Is it I? It's not Boog. Yeah yeah yeah. I know who you're is, talking is about. Is it Boog? No. So, uh, whoever runs that barbecue stand deserves a Sig Series card just for that food. Right now, I I absolutely think there needs to be there needs to be more Sig Series cards, or there needs to be a look at what Signature Series is, and maybe next year they do. We don't know what's coming next year. Obviously, they're still working on it, and they're working really heavily on it right now in terms of concepts. Maybe there's two tiers of Sig Series next year. I feel I think they toyed around with that a little bit with uh with the pack, 
there was there was that pack that kind of had like the you know the six series cards that go for 100k the ones that go for 40k the ones that go for 10k yeah like who who gives a crap if it's an 85 overall diamond if it's the best possible version of that player you can put in the game make it a sig series so that we know that that's the best version of the card you so know? everyone loves stealing ideas from other people so take a ootp's idea you know have another tier of card where a hundred rated card is a perfect yeah add a, add a perfect tier of cards but then we get back into that immortals juiced thing from last year and that's a whole yeah whole that's the, other, I, I, I very much doubt they want to open that can of worms again yeah i i very much agree um do you have any totally related to mlb the show do you have any thoughts on six inning grind uh so for the fourth and fifth inning i played for like 14 15 hours straight for each so i could make a buttload of stubs and uh, and profit greatly off of people's impatience and i did not do that this time so i i uh i have no thoughts on this grind other oh, than uh other than it feels so much longer when you don't do it in one day right absolutely i agree i did it in one day um i still haven't finished the last mission for the balling as a habit pack i can't <laughs> hit two home runs in that stadium um, I really liked how they involved, like, the players' teams. Like, instead of, like, get 10 total bases against Mike Piazza, it was Cindergaard on the mound for the Mets with Piazza as catcher, and it's get 10 total bases against him in the second half of it. And I thought they kind of mixed the missions up, the moments up a lot better this time. And I just can't wait to see what signature teams are and what kind of BS we have to go through. <laughs> Have you been paying attention at all to like forums and the community in general, the reaction to just two words, moments extreme? Yeah, I saw that. Um, somebody talked about it. Um, one of the Sony partners was talking about it, and his theory is because they don't really get told anything, but his theory is it's going to be longer missions, like replicating people's stats from like weeks or a week or more. Player of the month missions, Player... where it actually is a month. Yeah, where it's actually a month worth of things, or single at bat, single game missions on Hall of Fame or Legend difficulty. That's kind of where my head was at. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely agree on that. Um, like, I don't, I don't. If the home run, if the missions are like two home runs on Hall of Fame against Kershaw Sig Series, I'm, uh, I don't know. I, it's not that I won't do it; it's that I won't be able to do it. Yeah, I think they're gonna have to strike a clear balance between impossible and very, very difficult. I liked Conquest, Conquest, uh, Conquest Extreme. Like, say, beating the Yankees in two. Uh, turns whatever Not it was in 2018 everything on hall of fame that Ugh. was awful and i loved it once i beat it i would always give up a solo home run to stanton and then a solo but, home run to judge and lose two nothing but, or two one <laughs> same, same thing with the moments though it's uh volume right because conquest extreme the first time fine yeah. When they did a second one later in the year with the reward still not being that great Nah, didn't no, do that one. Did it, yeah. So I, I think I think everything in moderation. Yeah, I think it needs to be in moderation. I'm also kind of disappointed that they had this whole moment storylines thing, and then there's six storylines. Yeah, and how many have been released since opening day? One, right? Two. Just Griffey. Two. What was the other one? Um, they did the what's it called storyline. Um. Oh, well, we'll call it two. But even so, two in five months. Come on, guys. 
Yeah, they added one right before the All-Star game that was like All-Star game mom moments or something. Okay. And even yeah, that, I, I think, was an all... I think it was for an... It was like six, and it was for an All-Star game pack. Yeah, like, I mean, give your give your video team something to do other than making commercials with puppets. Like, give, give me some more storylines. I love Coach, though. I do love Coach. <laughs> if you don't know what we're talking about, you should go, you should go look up Coach from MLB The Show. It's... Uh... It's Hit the weights. Good. It's pretty good. Man. Another episode wrapping up. Before we go, I need to talk about Breaking Company because this is the most ridiculous week of all time. So as of recording this, which is 8-21-2019, uh, on the 22nd of August, Breaking Company is doing a hit draft of Pop Century. If you get in, you will walk away with a hit. And they have some ridiculous cards in Pop Century, including Kim Kardashian Relic Auto Cards and a dual auto card of Harrison Ford and Adam Driver. You could get Randy Quaid writing his signature in crayon on a card, which is a real thing that happened. And that's not all. That's what they have happening Thursday. Sunday... They have a half-case, eight-box, buy-one-get-one-free Panini Chronicles 2019. These cards are awesome. They're story cards, so they'll have autos and relics on the front, but have the story behind, like, where the auto came, like, why this person got an autograph card, or what game the relic's from. Very, very cool, amazing product, and you get a half. They still have a lot of teams available at some really, really good prices. I'm talking, like, under $60 to get two teams in this. It's ridiculous. And every box, which they're opening eight of, has three autographs and a memorabilia card. So I believe that is 24 hits per case. And as always, if you guys don't want to get into a break, show up. They do flash breaks all the time that are awesome, great values. And just to wrap this up as we do every week, I want to thank our patrons, Chris, Eric, Jaron, and Murph. You guys are the real MVPs for Chris. This is Ryan signing off until next week. See you later.